You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your home, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone. This is Jeanne-Marie Penel, your host for The Art of Parenting. And today I have a very special guest uh, with a very exciting news as well. And I wanted to have a conversation with Hunter Clark Fields. Uh, Hunter has just come out with this delightful book called Raising Good Humans. And she is a uh, mama, mindful mama mentor, uh, yoga instructor, and just brings a lot of her own practice to the art of parenting. And so I'm just delighted to have this conversation with her so that she can really share some of the tips and tools to be that mindful parent that I think we all strive to be. So Hunter, thank you for being here and welcome to the art of parenting. Thank you so much, Jean-Marie. I'm, I really appreciate it. Hunter, I always like to start with what would you, uh, how or how would you define the art of parenting? <laughs> well, it's definitely an art and not a science. There's not uh-huh. like, <laughs> there's not a real strong, you know, right way to do things because everything is so individual to circumstances, to people, to relationships and things like that. So, I mean, I guess when we think about the art of parenting, what I would say it comes down to is like, there's two, two most important things in some way. And, um, and one is who are you as a person and what are you modeling? You know, so how, how are you living what you want your kids to learn? Because our kids are notoriously bad at doing what we say, but they're really, really great at imitating us and doing what we do and and learning our ways and habits. So how can we be that person? That's sort of the art of that is like really looking at ourselves in a lot of ways and taking care of ourselves and, you know, dealing with our own big emotions, all that stuff. And then the other piece about that is then how do we communicate? Because parenting is, it all boils down to it's a relationship. It's a relationship with you know, these people that have come through you perhaps, and you you get to hang out with them through all these different parts of their lives. And it's a lifelong relationship. It's not about just creating good behaviors. It's about creating a lifelong relationship. So how then, you know, that all kind of really comes down to communication. So I really look at it as the work we do our, with ourselves. And then how we are communicating and what is our intention in a lot of ways in this lifelong relationship. Beautiful. And it's, it is so true. It, it, you know, it's so much about how we, how we show up. And, and I love what you say about, you know, they're really tough at, at 
doing what we say, but it's true. They will model our, you know, every minute act and, and such. So to our horror at times. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. I mean, I have stories of like being in the, in the classroom or even with my own children of doing things kind of, you know, haphazardly, or I was rushing and then everyone would just copy exactly and it was like oh my gosh okay I have to watch everything I do <laughs> so yes very true yeah, uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, you and and how you came to do the work that you're doing and I know that you mentor you know families but you've also come out with this delightful book how did you how did you come to this you know evolution of what you're doing today well, it's it's kind of funny. It's something I never, never expected to do. Uh, but I, I think this work actually kind of grows out of what I was really bad at. <laughs> I was, I was terrible. I was struggling. I was feeling like I was a terrible parent. And, you know, I was one of those kids who was, you know, used to getting like the A and, and achieving things and, and being pretty good at the things I set out to do. And then here I was in this most important thing in my life at this point. And it was like, oh, I just felt like I was yelling. I was scaring my child. I was, you know, I, I was doing it, imitating the behaviors of, you know, my, the unhealthy and unwholesome behaviors of my like my father, my my rage was coming out. And so I really felt like I was failing. And so this work comes from that. And so, you know, to, you know, I, I just had to learn from it. There was no other choice. I wasn't going to just continue to perpetuate these unhelpful patterns. So I had to figure it out. And so I've been studying mindfulness since I was a teenager because I was always a seeker and, and wanting to learn. And I was also a very highly sensitive person. And I really, you know, fell into these really intense dips very often in my life. I felt overwhelmed by life a lot. And reading about mindfulness really made so much sense to me. It helped me enormously. And then lo and behold, of course, then uh, when I finally started actually practicing and sitting in meditation, it made this huge change in my life where I, I didn't really fall into these like pits of depression um, at a at a regular basis, like they they went away. I mean, not that I don't feel difficult things. I just recover so much quick more quickly now. And so so then fast forward to having my child, I, I thought I was gonna be like amazing with my, you know, I'm sitting in meditation with my big pregnant belly and I'm like, oh yeah, this child's gonna be so like calm. <laughs> people and I'm rocking it. This is great. And she was, of course, she was a very intense kid herself. She inherited the same energy and patterns that come through my father to me and to her. And, and she really taught me that the way I was doing things was unacceptable for her. <laughs> so I really had to dig back. I had to learn how to, I had to really take that, that mindfulness learning and, and re- energize it, reinstitute it and learn how to calm my reactivity. And then, and then I had to learn what to say. So I didn't, you know, set off my like little two-year-old ticking time bomb again. 
So <laughs> it was it was all from from me feeling like I was I didn't know what I was doing suddenly and and figuring it all out. Um, it's funny when you when you talk about your daughter uh, coming to you. Do you do you believe in we are gifted the children we need to evolve? Well, I think <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, that goes a little deeper than a lot of things because it does, it's like, well, to me, it just <laughs> it seems like we always get like yeah. what we're 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 put in front of a situation because that's the one that we need to evolve and to grow. And it just sounds to me like that was just what you needed to kind oh. of get through that whole, you know, and you talk about it in your book of the, the whole kind of the old patterns and, and what's, you know, been brought down to you from generation. And it sounds like your daughter was just that one child that, that was needed to, to break all of that. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, actually, like my second daughter was easier. And I don't, you know, of course, I was different then and things like that. But I'm, I'm so grateful that my first daughter was as intense and challenging and sensitive as she was, because, yeah, I, I, she would not stand for the unskillful language that I use with my parents. You know, she was really picked up on my energy. I had to change. I had to I had to take care of myself to a degree that I didn't realize, you know, that I wasn't expecting. And yeah, she was exactly what I needed to be able to, 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 to learn this as fully as I ended up having to learn this. Yeah. And, and I thank her for coming to you because then you wouldn't have done all this great work that you've done. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, so um, tell us a little bit more about, uh, I know you, you talk, you know, mostly on these three principles of mindfulness, compassionate communication, and then the conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. Could you just go in a little deeper just to explain to our listeners how these three are important and how they are weaved together in um, how we can show up for our children? Sure. Yeah. So when going back to when I discovered I was doing a terrible job, I started to study and learn and listen. And I went to trainings and did all these things. And what I found, you know, I went and got, I got trained in parent effectiveness training, all kinds of things. And what I found is that in the sort of parenting world, in the communication world, there was always just respond this way was kind of like the instruction and or, or just pause was the first instruction. And I was like, well, I'm losing it. I can't. You know, So how do we how do we get to that step one? And that's where that that mindfulness piece comes in, because so mindfulness is that intentional practice of putting your attention in the present moment. And there's been so much research on this now that it's really exciting because what the research shows is that it really reduces your reactivity. So what I mean by this is that in our brain, we have we have different parts of our brain that evolved at different times. And we have that reptilian brain, which is like the fight, flight, or freeze response. It just is that nervous system that keeps us alert and awake and keeps us looking for the negative. And that's just what we all evolved with. And, and that's what we have. And that that is in charge of our stress response. It's right in the brainstem. There's these two little nobs called the amygdala. And they what they do is when you have stress, 
and you start to feel that you that tension and all that, it actually literally bypasses your prefrontal cortex, which is the upper part of the brain later evolved where all our higher order thinking is, our empathy, our verbal ability, our problem solving ability, all of that is in the, the slower moving prefrontal cortex. And then stress response triggers the that amygdala that to literally bypass that. So you don't take a long time to think about things and just react. And so this is where we get into the most trouble. And the mindfulness research shows that it actually shrinks the gray matter in the amygdala and it actually grows thicker the gray matter in the prefrontal cortex and grows the connection between them stronger. So it's literally changing the shape of your brain so that you can have access to your higher order thinking when you need it. So when I learned all this, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, no wonder I'm not able to just respond the way I wanted to respond in that skillful way because I needed to work on this piece in myself. And it is like a muscle. You need to kind of practice it before you get to the the big game of the tantrum. Um, and, 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 and I will add that, that what you, when you say the prefrontal cortex, I mean, we know that it's not fully developed right until early adulthood. So yeah. our young children don't even have that developed. So it's really up to us to, to develop it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. We mm-hmm. need to develop in ourselves and, and it's great. Like once we understand about this is the way our nervous system works, this is the way our brain works. This is, I'm not like making a choice to yell at my kid. This is just how we evolved and it's not so helpful right now, but we can also then understand our children. Like when we yell at them and their stress response is triggered, it literally, like there's no, their, their brains are so much less developed. Their prefrontal cortex isn't developed. They're com- it makes them completely unable to learn anything you want to teach them in that moment. So, so yeah, it's it's just mm-hmm. understanding this biology helps us enormously to kind of take a step back and say, okay, what can I do about this here? Right, right, right. And then, and so, so that's the mindfulness piece. And then you talk about that compassionate communication. Yes, right. Yes. So, how so- does that how does that come in? So then it was it was interesting. So as I was also I was also studying and learning in this mindfulness world, there there they tended to think, well, as long as you can just calm down and, you know, access all of your brain, then you're just going to be fine. And that that's not true either. That's not quite <laughs> enough because I discovered through, you know, my own trial and plenty of error that um that I could calm down then after a while I was really practicing with that and then I might say something that might be just generally in the culture or something my parents might have said to me we have a lot of orders and threats in our culture that we just kind of take for granted and it was like a you know an explosion would go off in my child mm-hmm. again so so then you really have to learn you know, how to talk so that your, your kids will listen to you. How, so how can you speak in such a way? And, and we really have in our culture, a a tendency to, excuse me, to, um, to really kind of be rude to kids. Like we, we want, we want respect, but we tend to be disrespectful. And, and dear listener, if you're listening to this kind of getting annoyed, please, understand that that we don't even know it like i didn't even realize it that when i was saying put on your shoes wash your hands do this do that like i was giving my child a barrage of orders all 
day long. And I just didn't ever stop to think about it because that's just the way we do things. So of course, we don't we don't think about this because it's just we're in the soup of this culture. But but no one likes to it's it's really eye opening to kind of think of it from the child's point of view, because no one really likes to be ordered around all day long. No one likes to be threatened. And those things actually make kids less likely to want to cooperate with you in the future. So so the way that we've kind of traditionally done things in, in an authoritarian style, it actually it actually ends up um you know, reducing the amount of connection and influence we have in our kids. And, and we think of this idea. One thing I thought was so interesting is that we think of this idea of the adolescent rebellion as so normal. But in fact, kids are not rebelling against their parents. They're rebelling against the destructive Tech, you know, parenting techniques that people have been using because now some of the skillful communication skills, like for instance, you know, one of the, I got, I, I went and got trained in parent effectiveness training, which is another amazing resources resource, but that was book was written in 1970. So there have been kids around who have grown up with more skillful responses. And those kids don't really have a huge I hate you rebellion and running away from the house when they're teenagers and they have these stronger connections. So it's, it's exciting. It's really possible. No, it's true. And, and, and I love what you say about teenagers because I think they get a really bad rap. But when we are able to have that, what you call, you know, compassionate communication, and for me, it's just the respect of, of the adult in the making that they are when they are toddlers uh, teenagehood is just a repeat of toddlerhood. Mm. And it, yes. it really, it really is to me. I mean, it's like, yeah. and, and we see it in the brain too, that it's just, you know, it, it's, it's like they're, they're, they're evolving and there's all this going on and this questioning. And, and for me, it's kind of, you know, toddlers tell us, you know, let me, let me do it alone. Like, and, and teenagers say the same thing. They just have more vocabulary, right? <laughs> So, you know, it, to me, it's if we've established that beautiful communication that you talk about from the beginning, there is no need for, for rebellion. And, and, you know, I'm, I I've, have two young adults, and honestly, I can say that, you know, teenagehood just went as, as it did with, you know, with hormone spikes and things like that, but nothing terrible, no, no, you know, no rebellion or, or anything like that. So... Oh, it is possible. That's, that's so exciting. Yeah, my daughter is about to turn 13. <laughs> and and our relationship is really close. Um, yeah, she said, I wish I could leave a review for your book on Amazon. I haven't read it, but you're a great, you know, it's like she was oh, really sweet. She, should. <laughs> I know. she was really sweet about it. And, yeah. and I, and I, and what I want to say, too, is that, um, like, what we're, you know, Jean-Marie and I are suggesting is not easy. Like it's really hard to transform your language and to transform your reactivity. It's really, really hard, but it's what's cool about it is that this is work that is hard work that we can do upfront when our kids are, you know, whenever we start really, but you know, maybe if your kids are younger, but you start the work whenever you start the work. But once you do that, these as you it snowballs easier and easier over time rather than kind of the default traditional ways you end up having to up the threats and up the punishments and it gets harder and harder over time and so that's exciting too 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's beautiful. And then, and then the the third one that you mention in your book is this idea of conflict resolution. So, can you talk oh. to us a bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, this is so cool um, because, yeah, you know, obviously we're going to come into conflicts in every relationship. There are conflicts, and if you have two kids or more, you should know that siblings on average get into conflict about once an hour <laughs> throughout their <laughs> lives. So, so set your expectations accordingly. Um, but what, what was exciting for me to realize and, and um, is that, you know, there's other ways to solve conflict. So the traditional sort of authoritarian method is that the parent makes all the decisions and kind of pushes that down on the child. And that ends up leading to a lot of resentment in the children. Um, and there's also the permissive, you know, the opposite end of that spectrum, which is permissive parenting, where the, you know, the, the adult lets the child decide all the things. And then the parent ends up having a lot of resentment and the kids end up feeling unloved. So we don't want either of those extremes, but we want to be able to solve problems, right? You know, because conflicts arise. So one thing I think that is so, so helpful is to really look at our conflicts and look at them instead of um, kind of looking at the sort of surface level of, of what's happening, look at them in terms of needs. You know, every child is doing any behavior, every person is doing any behavior because they're trying to meet some kind of need, right? So if we can say, what what needs, what are the needs that you have? And we can also look at ourselves and say, what are my needs? And, and how is this behavior kind of interfering with my needs? And so if we can look at these two two ways of thinking about it, we can take this step back and, and, um, and get a clearer view of what's actually happening. So f to put this into real world terms, if my kid's like running around my room, like uh, the living room screaming, and I'm trying to read a book, um, I can tell her, you know, whoa, when you, when you do this, I'm, I'm starting to get a headache and I can't enjoy reading my book and enjoy my space when you do this, you know, and explain to my child what the effects of of her behavior are. And then even when we go deeper, say like she has a need that, um, that, you know, that's kind of a persistent problem. Uh, we can say, okay, let's look at this. What are you needing? What am I needing? And let's get below the layer of solutions to the layer of needs. So oftentimes we, we butt heads because we're at sort of the layer of solutions. Like, uh, um, you know, I want, I want to get a dog. No, you can't get a dog. You know, so wh what is the need maybe that the child is having? If we can go below the layer of solutions, maybe the child needs to, wants to care for something. Um, maybe the child wants more responsibility, you know, and, and what are your needs? Maybe you need to not have something else to care for. Maybe you, you have need to have a clean and tidy house and, and no more extra responsibilities. So if then you can come to those, look at the underlying needs instead of just those two solutions, then you can say, oh, actually, there are a lot of different solutions to these needs, to the underlying needs. So we can, I think we can all get our needs met in general. Um, we just have to start to be more flexible about like, what, what are the different solutions? You know, if we can look under the layer of solutions to needs, right, does that make sense? Right. No, totally. And that, that there's just not one way of having your needs met, basically. 
Yeah, exactly. And you have to look at the. So this is, I mean, and I really like this, you know, idea of involving the child and, and really having that communication of what are the solutions that we can come together. But how would you apply this maybe for a younger child who's not yet uh, maybe there in, in mm-hmm. communicating and really being able to tap into what their needs are? How, how do you deal with deal with it then? That's a that's a great question, and um, and I would also like say that it's amazing that as I've I, I teach some mindful parenting in a in a membership, and to hear what people tell me about how young kids are that can empathize with their parents' needs, like two year olds, you know, saying, "Oh, mommy, I'm sorry, I didn't realize like that," <laughs> you know, it's pretty amazing. But so if you're trying to kind of go through this process of like a win win problem solving, you want to have this kind of conversation and start it when they're young. What what parents can do is verbalize the child's needs for the child, you know, so you would say, oh, you're look, you're so upset. Looks like you're needing this. Oh, you're maybe you're needing your diaper change. Oh, you're not needing your diaper change. Huh? I wonder what's going on. Let's see. Maybe you're needing this. So you can start to like verbalize that for the child. And what's great about that is the child hears all this language and develops a vocabulary and and learns this process of identifying needs from a right away from a very young age. Yeah. And it's and it's so true, you know, of of I talk about it as being your child's translator. So you're yes. not you're not, you know, you're not saying you need this. It's just it looks like maybe or and sometimes you can also say I'm not sure what you need. I know Mm. that there's something going on and, you know, can you help me figure it out? Or (laughs) when they're, you know, pre-verbal, maybe take me to it or point me or, you know, something like that. But it's true. It's engaging in that conversation, even, you know, as newborns to me, it's so important to to start that very, very early on. And what's beautiful about that, Jean-Marie, what you just described is that they, that when you verbalize all that stuff, you're, um, you're labeling that, you're noting that. And actually that just verbalization of what's happening and the needs that are present in the room provides a lot of relief to just yes. say, this is, oh, you're upset right now. This is what's happening. I don't know what's happening. You know, to verbalize all that stuff, it just provides a lot of relief for everyone involved. Mm, beautiful. Um, there's so much, there's so much <laughs> like little avenues that I want to go down uh, on, but just in, in the essence of time, I know that you mentioned at the beginning kind of your upbringing. Mm-hmm. And um, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, if it's okay to touch a little bit on that of how maybe you were raised and how, you know, how that definitely influenced your own parenting, but how you are breaking that pattern of, mm-hmm. you know, generations. Because I think that's really important. I think, you know, I hear a lot of parents say, oh, but, you know, I can't be a, a mindful parent or respectful parent because that's not how I was raised. But I think you're the proof that we can break the patterns. 
Oh yeah. And it, it's the, the, the motivation for that is in our children, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, our, our parents pass down to us many seeds of things. Like my parents passed down to me many beautiful, wonderful seeds, so much creativity, vivacity, love of nature, all of these amazing things. Um, but also in particular, my father handed down to me his anger and his rage and, and his sensitivity. I can tell he's a sensitive person. And I don't say this in any way uh, blaming my father because he also suffered. He was passed down a lot of unhealthy seeds too, like in, from his parents. So, so these aren't, these are these are, there's no point in kind of blaming. It's just about kind of really understanding and taking a good, honest look at what, what you were given. And, and, and so my father had a lot of um, he, he was highly sensitive kid. He was, uh, dyslexic and, you know, my grandfather, who I love very much, you know, beat him with a belt because mm. he couldn't do his math and his, he had this crazy weird kid, you know, whatever. And, um, and so my father was, you know, on one hand, like very wonderful, supportive and, um, very creative and like my biggest fan in a lot of ways. And then on the other hand though, he, didn't know how to take care of his difficult feelings because he was never taught that. And so when I had, when I was upset and, and he, he would have this explosive rage. And I really do remember like hiding behind the door of my room scared, you know, and, and he would spank me and we had a really rocky relationship. You know, when I was a teenager. I ran away from home a couple times, not far. I would tell my mom, like, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, you know, we, we butted heads for a long time and it actually really damaged our relationship for a long time. Well into my twenties, we had a lot of difficulty and it's sort of a shame, you know? Um, cause I, now I see him now and I know that he suffers. I see that he, to, you know, he suffers from a lot, una- you know, he's unable to, in a lot of ways to take care of those difficult feelings and, and had his own coping mechanisms. Right. And so right. for me to look at when my daughter was young to see, oh, this, her big feelings feel so unacceptable to me because that's what I was taught. That was what my right. experience taught right, me right, that right. you're just not supposed to have those feelings. And so I, I feel in many ways now that I wouldn't give up that experience for anything now because as intense as it was, I I was given the opportunity, this the showing this this anger arising in me was the opportunity to heal this and take this pattern that had been passed on and passed on, passed on and transform it. Like it wasn't just enough for me to not hit my kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I really Mm -hmm. wanted to heal and transform this. And, and I think that's what we can do. That's what we have the opportunity to do. So if you're seeing patterns in yourself that you don't like, instead of, you know, blaming yourself and shaming yourself, if you can say that this is your opportunity to learn, to wake up, to heal, this is a beautiful opportunity that you've been given that you never would have been given if you'd lived your life with, without this little person to show these these great issues for you to learn from, right? You never would have been have given that opportunity. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I I love my father very much. He's an amazing person, and um, and I'm. 
you know, it, it's, this is, this is my, my opportunity to heal and create, you know, pass down the, the seeds that I really want to choose to pass down. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and in, in that, in that realm, like, do you have, and, and I'm sure that this comes up in your, you know, in your membership and, and the families that you mentor, but I know that for me, I have a lot of families asking me, how can I help my own parents see or or respect the way that I want to parent because I think you know mm. we we are evolving we're we're ever evolving and and I believe that our parents did the very best they could with the tools that they had at hand and now we have different tools we have you know the the help of science of being able to look into the brain of knowing so much more um but there's still sometimes I think resistance from maybe the older generation of how we are parenting and, and what would you say to our grandparents or, or, you know, to our parents, uh, parents of how they can uh, help us evolve Mm. basically. Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I think it also depends on, how much, um, you know, is, you know, if their, if their relationship with your child, you know, that really depends on the circumstance. If they're with your child day in and day out, this may become a really important question to you, but if you only see them a couple times a year, this is not such an important question to you. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) um, yeah, it, so it, we really always have to kind of come back to remember, and, and people ask these questions with our partners too, right? Um, is it, if they parent my child differently, does that matter? Is this does it doesn't you know? Is it okay if I'm doing this and my parent my partner is doing something differently? And we really have to remember that we can only control ourselves and. And knowing how the nervous system works in some ways, we can't control ourselves very much either. So <laughs> we have to have a lot of compassion for um, for what's happening, right? So I think that some in many ways, the best things we can do is do the work ourselves. That is so, so powerful. It is so much work. And then as we start to transform the way we interact and communicate with our children, um, your partner will start to see, your parents may start to see that, right? If, If they start to understand. And then, so I would say that, like do the work yourself first, be the example rather than trying to shape the others around you, change yourself first. But then, if you feel like you it becomes something that you want to have a conversation with your parents about depending on how much you know access they have to your your lives and things like that well actually there's a tool i offer in the mindful parenting membership that i think is really really wonderful and that i i got from the um from the uh, Blue Cliff Monastery at a family mindfulness retreat that they gave there and i think it's really wonderful and and they um, they have this process called uh, be- uh, beginning anew, and it, and they have a very sort of elaborate process with it. But what it can be, it can be a letter, it can be an email or a conversation. And the beginning anew process is really lovely because it opens up the listener to be able to hear what you have to say. And wh- it's very simple. So then the first part, you water the seeds of appreciation for the, that person. And I, so I did this with each of my parents. I wrote them a letter of beginning anew. And I, I, I wrote what I honestly appreciate about 
about them. And, and, and that's really feels good to do that. And as a receiver of that, it opens your ears to hear what this person has to say, because you're not just coming at them critically. So you write what you appreciate. And then the second part, you write or say your own regrets. And because you're human, you'll probably have them, <laughs> your own regrets, and you share those honestly. So you're you're saying, I see you, whole all of you, and I'm also human. I also have my own regrets. And then in the third part, that's where you express whatever hurt or difficult way you have, uh, difficulty you have that do you want to express in a non-blameful way. And so then this might be a, a the way to take the issue that you want to talk about. Maybe your um, your grandparent, the grandparents want to be swatting at your your child or putting them in timeout. And maybe this might be uh, a way to to then talk about that in a skillful way. And this can be done in a also in a conversation. You know, just using this format of, "Hey, I appreciate this about you," and you know, I'm not perfect. I'm this is you know, I apologize about this. And can we talk about this other piece? So, so this that's a lovely, lovely format for opening up an honest and vulnerable kind of dialogue. That sounds like a beautiful process. Lovely, thank you. And um, so, so I, I could go on. I mean, this has been really a lovely conversation. But for the sake of time, I usually ask my you know guest if they there's just one thing that they want our listeners to remember from this conversation. And today, I thought I would ask you if you don't mind reading um, in your book, you have a manifesto that I think would be a delightful uh, way to end this conversation and to leave our listeners with something very powerful. Sure. Thanks, Jean-Marie. So this is from Raising Good Humans. It's the Mindful Parenting Manifesto. A mindful parent is a new generation of parent, present, evolving, calm, authentic, and free. Mindful parents reject the culture of not good enough, knowing that when we free ourselves from unnecessary stress and limiting stories, our authentic, peaceful nature shines through. Mindful parents practice self-compassion and see their challenges as teachers, not flaws. Mindful parents value wisdom over reactivity empathy over obedience, and begin anew every day. Mindful parents live what we want our kids to learn, knowing that the best parenting is in modeling. Mindful parents go within and get quiet to access their power. Mindful parents practice presence, create their experience, embrace imperfection, and love themselves. Mindful parents are motivated knowing that with every step, They are changing things for the generations that follow. I am a mindful parent. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Hunter, for for your amazing work and your wisdom and sharing all of this uh, with us because you have been on a journey and and, you you sharing it is empowering so many parents all over the planet. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jean-Marie. I really appreciate you taking the time and and this has been so lovely. Have I got something special for you today? Imagine how amazing it would be to get delivered right to your doorstep exactly what you need for your child's natural development. Created by my dear friend Zara Kassam, a certified Montessori teacher, Monty Kids provides a subscription base comprehensive and authentic Montessori toy curriculum. 
I've personally set up homes and schools with Monty Kids toys, and I can assure you that they are of the highest quality and made with lots of care and love for each child that gets to play with them. With your subscription, you also get short video tutorials and guides to learn how and when to properly present the toys to your child. You even have access to personalized support, classes, and a private community moderated by internationally certified Montessori educators. There are eight levels from birth to 36 months. That's three years of engaging, intelligent, and purposeful activities you don't need to worry about. And the best part is you can join at any time. Because we now know how important it is to start early, Monty Kids was created with the mission of helping you support your baby during the most critical years of development. Research shows that early brain development lays the foundation for all future learning and behavior. So don't delay. Check out Monty Kids on my favorite products page to learn more and get started today. I've also placed a direct link for you in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.